Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your guest. And I'm glad you're spending the next half hour with me. I always appreciate that. You know, we talked yesterday about this is kind of Relationships 101. And we're going to talk about very specific structural things that we need to understand about humans in order to really do relationship well with them. And, and I want to reiterate this point I said yesterday about how, how thankful I am that you are willing to get some education because this is the way that we change the world. This is the way that we are salt and light. This is the way that we look different to the world, is the way our relationships work and then their experience of us individually and as couples. And we want to look different than the world. We want our relationships to not mimic the way the world's relationships are going. And so I'm glad that you're listening to this. And, and yesterday, we talked about appropriate expectations for others and for ourselves. Because there are expectations that need to be met in order for things to really work the same way that we expect our car to drive. And we maintain it, we take care of it. We expect many of the things in our homes to work. We maintain them, we, we, we respect it. And so having those appropriate expectations is really important. If you, if you did get to listen to yesterday's show, make sure you go to the website and we are going to have all of those up on the website. No, at least, Hopefully sooner, but if not, by absolutely by the end of the week. So today we're going to be really learning a very, I'm going to do a quick synopsis of gender, gender differences, temperament, and then personality differences, and what that really looks like. So when we are looking at gender, it's important that you recognize the differences so that you have a basic foundational understanding of the hardwiring of females and males. And this, this, this applies to anyone that even is um, uh, homosexual, that, that they still, even if they're homosexual, they still are the gen- that same gender, they still are a male, they still are a female, and they still are hardwired the same way and respond to the world the same way that males and females respond. And so accepting these, that these are God-given differences, and that God likes the differences, and does not appreciate our demeaning or demoralizing or any general judgments as to whether or not a person should be the way they are or, or the way should be different. And this is very important when we are accepting gender, that we don't take gender personally. Dysfunction is a very different animal. And so you can be a very dysfunctional version of a man or a very dysfunctional version of a woman. But being a man, there's nothing, there's nothing bad 
about being a man, and there's nothing bad about being a woman. It's the way God made us. And when God created us in our mother's womb, he determined the gender of who we were. And he chose that for a very specific reason. So this is, you know, this is not to say we, we don't indulge in our gender and say, well, that's just the way that I am, right? But the more that we know about gender, the more curious and fascinated and endearing gender can be. This is like different breeds of animals. We've talked about this before. You wouldn't expect a goldfish to use a litter box or a dog to do the dishes, right? We frequently talk about the fact that you don't, nobody walks behind a horse and expects to not be kicked. So they, they need to warn that horse that they're walking behind them. It's very dangerous for horses. They can't see behind them. That's one of the ways that cougars and bobcats attack a horse is from behind. And so we're very careful with horses. Even though horses are what we would consider a prey animal, that means they don't prey on other animals. They don't eat anything with, with blood in it. They don't eat meat. And, and this is why it's very important that when we learn gender and we learn the traits and the characteristics, what triggers that, their fear, what causes them to feel most loved, our relationships work so much better. Now, we are going to probably do a whole week on gender coming up. So this is kind of the quick version for today. So we want, to, we want to really understand the differences when it comes to sexuality, informational processing, internal motivation, uh, sensitivities, fears, what makes them feel successful or not successful, and what basic needs those gender, each gender has. So when we look at basic gender differences in men and women, one of the things we recognize is that a woman's greatest need is security. This is her greatest need. And, and connectedness. She thrives on connecting. And we work really hard at connecting. If we don't connect with others and have good, positive connections, that affects our security, our feelings of security. We also need to have meaningful relationships and know that we impact relationships in a meaningful way. We need to know that we have relational impact. And we need to feel desired. That's a big one. Women want to be wanted. It always goes back to security. If I have deep, meaningful relationship, I, I impact my relationships positively. I have a great connectedness and I'm wanted and desired, I feel secure. And one of the greatest ways that you can recognize the need for security is every woman has a handbag, and in their handbag is everything they could possibly need, and everything that maybe everybody else needs. They also have a little th uh, bag at work in their drawer. They probably have one in their car. They take things e with them everywhere they go because they want to make sure they have what they need wherever they are. You look at men, they don't do this. They might have a money clip, they might, ha might have a wallet, keys, and they end up putting it in their wife or their girlfriend's handbag. Men know they will always be okay. They will always figure out a way to be okay. This is not the case with women. And, and when you begin to understand that because women are able to bear children, this is one of the vulnerabilities that a woman has. It's one of the greatest gifts she can have. 
But the nine months that she is pregnant is one of the most vulnerable times in her life. And then giving birth is one of the most dangerous things that she can do. And then six months later, her body is still responding to trying to get back. And so her brain actually shrinks. The one thing, though, that God did, it shrinks. And this is why they have brain fog. They can't concentrate. They can't think. They're really struggling. This is the, and, and then after six months, their brain comes back, and it's even stronger. So God rewards that. So when you recognize that this, this idea that you know men are frequently saying to me, why do they always like the bad guys? Why are they always attracted to those guys, the bad boys? And this goes back way back to when we were all in tribes and not civilized. And you have to understand that if, the, if a woman was with the chief of the tribe and he was raping her every day, he was the only one. If a woman was with a nice guy, she was susceptible to all the men in the tribe. This is one of the reasons we are attracted to that kind of strength. It feels protective to us. The second one, this whole idea of being connected, women are communal creatures. And what this, the, one of the reasons for this is there's power in numbers. So we know that if we have a whole bunch of connections, we're much safer. And this idea of having meaningful and, and, and impacting relationships is also one of the ways that we increase our connectedness and feel secure. Women, when women have little children, this is one of the reasons that women have a lot of friends. They help one another. It takes a lot of effort to take care of children. And if you have to do it all by yourself, it's exhausting and you may not do it well. And so we spread the work around. And this last one, the need to feel desired. That goes back to when God was creating Eve and he said, this is the refined version. And this was the crowning glory. We were the last thing to show up on the planet. Everything else was done. Everything else was created. All the animals were created. The earth was finished. Adam was here. Adam and God were best friends. And then he created Eve. So this goes back to the deep hardwiring in our DNA. Now, when we look at the differences with men, one of the most important things when I'm teaching women about men is to understand that a man's greatest need is respect. Respect. And there are many ways that women can disrespect men without even knowing it. And one of the easiest ways to disrespect a man is roll your eyes. Our facial expressions, our body language, our tone of voice is easily one of, the, one of the ways that we can disrespect men. Because men, you have to understand, are a little bit more primitive. They take many of their cues from the, the, what they see. And, and when they're looking at us and we have a dirty look on our face, a scowl, it makes us look dangerous. They take it very personally because they're not thinking they did anything wrong. And this is one of the ways that if we're not careful, we set a man on edge and he ends up not wanting to care for us. 
Because if a man has to defend himself from you, if you are verbally attacking him or using body language, yelling, screaming, pointing your finger at him, rolling your eyes in disgust, he then is on the defense. And if he needs to defend himself, he can no longer defend you. The second one, the, the second greatest need that a man has is, is success. Success is extremely important to men. Failing is very painful for them. And one of the reasons is they are not as relational as women. They don't get the same support. They, a man's world is a very harsh world. They don't feel comfortable being insecure with other men. Going into another man's office and saying, hey, I really feel like a loser. Can you tell me if I'm okay? Men don't do that. So success to a man is everything because he's creating a world and he does not want to lose his world. One of the, the most amazing and most wonderful thing for a man to experience is success with the woman that he loves. So when we do more extensive uh, talking about gender, we're going to talk about how women can set you, men up to be successful with them and how we get a better version of a man. And we're going to talk about, for men, what you can do to get a better version of the woman that you love so you can enjoy her more. Men also need beauty. They love to be surrounded by beautiful things. This is why they like to look at women. Women are beautiful to them. And we as women, we think that there's only a certain... 1% of the women that are actually beautiful, all the rest of us don't measure up. That is not how men see things. And if you think about back in the 50s or the 40s, those black and white movies, and there would be the Air Force Base, and it's all men on the Air Force Base. And a woman walks onto the base. Within five minutes, the whole entire base knows a woman is on the base, and they come out and want to see her. It's that powerful. The impact we have on them when we smile is powerful. So I'm always saying to women, be careful how much you smile at a man. If you smile at him, he's going to think you really like him. Because this means so much to men. They love being successful with women. And the last one for men, they need adventure and challenge. And the hardest thing in our society today is they don't challenge themselves physically like they used to. It used to be that men were building houses, we're going out and hunting, we're fighting wars, we're doing these things that really challenge them and cause them to feel successful when they won and feel like a hero. Now men have to do this in the business world. And one of the reasons that they do triathlons and they go kayaking and they want to do motocross riding is because of this need to challenge themselves, to see how far they can push themselves, how big of a risk they can take and come out alive. It makes them feel like men. So it's really important that we respect this. And, and we're going to really talk extensively about it so that you have a better understanding of what it is when I use those words, what those words really mean, and what you're really seeing. The second area that we really need to have some understanding of is this idea of temperament differences. And temperament 
is different than personality. Personality is is like your skeletal structure. It doesn't it doesn't change. Temperament, on the other hand, it, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to change, but we may be more we, we may be more or less on one side of the continuum at any time, any given time in our life. So when we look at temperament differences, I like to use the the MBTI, which is the Myers Briggs temperament inventory. And the reason I like to use that is because it measures things on a continuum. It's not an either or. And these continuums, there's four continuums, and and we have both sides in us, but one is more dominant. So the first one that we test is introversion versus extroversion. And extroversion does not mean that you're a really highly talkative, um, high-energy person all the time. It, it, what it means is that if I'm an extroverted person, it means I draw my energy from the external world. I get more depleted the more alone time I have. So I get lonely, I get depressed if I don't interact with people. Extroverts like to be around people. Extra, the extroverts are the ones that, you know, you're going to go to a party and or to an event, you're going to go to a, a nightclub, you're going to go to a movie, um, a concert... And the extroverts all want to meet at one person's house and drive together in the car and all go together. And then they want to sit together and they usually want to sit in the very middle of the Colosseum where they are in the midst of all the people. And then they want to leave and they go home and they still talk at the car and they don't want to end the night. The introvert, on the other hand, can still be quite verbal and quite talkative, but they want to do one-on-one. Small talk is very hard for introverts. They get very anxious if they don't know when the party's going to end. They don't like to be in the midst of crowds. They get overwhelmed. They get overstimulated by, by the energy of people. It doesn't mean they don't like people. It means that the way they energize themselves and replenish themselves is by being alone. They get enough alone time. They come out and they can be quite, quite talkative and quite extroverted. But they're coming from a very different end of, of that introversion-extroversion continuum. So introverts can be really, really introverted people or mildly introverted people. And extroverts can be extremely extroverted or mildly extroverted. But we all have both sides in us. It just depends on which one is more dominant. Then we have another scale that we like to measure. And this is what's called the sensing versus intuition scale. Sensing people, if you are more, more on that end of the continuum, sensing people are very literal people. They like facts. They can be quite black and white. They can be pretty skeptical sometimes. They're the ones that when you go to dinner and you start to split up the bill, they'll divide it exactly in half to the penny. And they'll say, okay, you owe $23.37. And the intuitive is like, are you kidding? Can we round it up, please? Because the intuitive person is not that, details aren't quite that important. They are a big picture person. So they have a tendency to look at details and then bottom line everything. So the intuitive is going to use language like, 
oh, you know, it's like, I don't know, 50,000 people or something were there. It was like, oh, maybe it was a million. I don't know. It was huge. Whereas the sensing person will say, no, I saw there was 49,385 people that attended that event. And they will know those specific details. Sensing people kind of learn things as they go. They have to walk it out and experience it to learn it. Intuitives can kind of intuate it. So they, can, they, they always know they're going to pull anything off. They can figure it out. They always have a tendency to do things at the last minute. They have a tendency, they're prone to being late oftentimes, because when we say be there at 7 o'clock to them, it's 7-ish, 7 5, 7 10, 5 to 7, somewhere around the ballpark. So they are very, they orient very differently. Intuitive people get bored very quickly. They like to learn new things all the time. Sensing people like to master it and then do it for a long time. They may keep their job for 35 years. So when we think about this, this is one of the ways we don't take people personally. We don't just automatically assume the intuitive people, these people are irresponsible. And we don't assume that the sensing people are just inflexible or just all black and white. The next one that we measure is what we call the thinking and feeling scale. And the thinking people, they, want, they are very much into what's right and wrong, truth and justice, and they love to debate, and they don't think they're fighting. And when they make decisions, they make decisions that are based on concrete evidence, even if it's painful, and they will make that, those hard-line decisions and look like they are inflexible and uncaring. Whereas the feeling people, they are the ones that enjoy harmony. They get very stressed if there's not harmony. They like everyone to get along. And when they are making decisions, they want to make decisions based on how it's going to affect everybody. So they are sure that if they make the right decision, like if, if, if everyone is going to be okay with this decision, then it's the right decision. Thinking people say, if I make the right decision, everybody will be okay. So they are coming at it from a very pragmatic, not a personal level when they do decision making. Versus the feeling people come at it from a very feeling position of how it's going to affect everyone. The last one is organizing and adapting. The organizers love stables. The adapters are always in the moment. They have a hard time ending an event. They want to stay and stay and stay if they're having a good time. These are the ones that have a tendency to have everything in their car, everything they could possibly need, and it's all over the car, and it's not necessarily very organized. But they know where things are. The, th the organizing person loves to order and have everything has a place and every place has a thing. They love calendars. They love committing to calendars. Adapters, they have a hard time committing because they may change their mind at the last minute. And so they're not sure if they can always commit to something. So I'm hoping that this is helpful. We're going to talk tomorrow more about personality and really what personality is about. And it's going to be quite a little lesson in psychology for you. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And we are going to talk more tomorrow about Relationships 101 and what really temperament, gender, and 
And all of these things are about and how they affect how well we relate to one another. So God bless you today. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Make sure you check out the website and and all the social media that we have for you. And I love your comments. They help a lot. So have a great rest of your day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.